Welcome to Top Advisor Marketing, where you will learn how to become a prolific online influencer, attract more ideal clients, and grow your practice. Brought to you by Top Advisor Podcasting, a done-for-you podcasting solution built just for trusted advisors. And now, your co-hosts of Top Advisor Marketing, Kirk Lowe and Matt Halloran. Hello and welcome to another Top Advisor Marketing Podcast. Today, Kirk Lowe and I are going to have somewhat of a heated conversation about some of the marketing trends that we're seeing in 2020 as we were preparing for the podcast. Kirk and I found a, a couple of fun points of disagreement here that you guys are all going to get to hear about. So, But hey, all of this came from this article, Core DNA, which we're going to put in the um, in the show notes, uh, which were the future of content marketing, 10 biggest content marketing trends that will dominate 2020. Now, we've really kind of distilled it into eight, and uh, and then we're really going to just kind of dive into those. Now, now some of these, we're going to just say a quick disclosure. Uh, we talk about this on other podcasts, but not really in this way. Uh, it's very, very important for all of our listeners to understand there's lots of different ways to get uh, to the solutions that you want from a marketing perspective. And our job at Top Advisor Marketing is to really show you the way uh, show you options and then have you choose which one is the best for you. So, Kirk, where where in God's name are we going to start this conversation? Well, we're going to start with number one, I guess. That seems to make sense. <laughs> uh, we, could, we could, you know, since you're challenging me on that, maybe we could start with number eight today. Okay. It'd well, we, be a bit odd. we might. You want to go from we'll eight to one? Okay. Okay. We'll do a countdown to the top eight marketing trends. <laughs> All right. All right. So, what's number eight? There's not really a number one or eight. They're just <laughs> randomly chosen. So, number, number eight. We are going to get into it today, okay. aren't we? This I, yeah, this is, we're, yeah, we're both on fire today. We've never really had an argument, have we? <laughs> Not on a recording, we haven't. I don't think we've had one outside, have we? Eh, a couple, a couple, yeah. Oh, okay, good. Yeah. Um, all, all good partnerships have arguments. We're still friends, so. Yeah, uh, So, topic-focused topic focused content to build authority is uh, trend number eight. We're counting down, everybody. Don't worry about it. You haven't missed the other seven. <laughs> so topic-focused content to build authority. So if you are, you know, this blends perfectly into what we're doing right here, mm -hmm. right? So we want to make sure that um, that we're sharing expert content. We've said this probably 20 times, that you are competing and work in the expertise economy, and this is... Uh, a trend that if you, whatever, if even if you're selling a product, you're going to have expertise around the deployment or the integration of that product or, or the use of it, right? Mm -hmm. There's typically going to be some uh, authority around that or expertise. Uh, there's, you can insert joke there if you like, because I'm sure there's lots of products where there's not much required expertise, but um, anyhow, the having a website, where you can share and having social media where you can share the expert content um, is, is really integral. Uh, Google doesn't value one-offs either, which is a really important thing to note, that if you're going to be perceived as an expert, you got to focus on a topic that hits your audience and you have to have uh, all kinds of content that supports that. In other words, there wouldn't be much use for Matt and I to do five podcasts or two podcasts, let's say, you know, one on branding and one on podcasting or micro influence, which are core things that we do here. It wouldn't make much sense. They'd be standalone. Google wouldn't give us, right? Yeah. And are really proven we're the experts that we can only talk about, you know, a couple of different things and not get into more and more detail. So 
when you think about putting yourself out there into the world, to the marketplace, think about topics and expertise that you can give your audience that they really care about. This is where it's really important to develop a niche expertise and a, and a niche audience so you can uh, narrow down what you're talking about and try to attract the right people. Yeah, I want to jump in here, dude, because here's the thing. The, the commoditization of, of our industry and in many other industries, the, the one thing that can't be commoditized is the human experience and the relationship that can't be, at least not yet. And so when you talk about products, right? So let's really quickly, let's say cars, right? When I go in to purchase a car, I don't want a car expert. I don't care. I've already done my research, right? There might be a couple of options that I want somebody to be a little bit knowledgeable about. But the last thing in the world is I, you know, I don't want somebody who's going to start telling me about the, the the horsepower and the torque of this latest car, because I probably already figured that all out already. I want somebody to make sure that I am feeling comfortable with my payments, all of that stuff, right? Same thing with financial services. Even if you are a product-focused financial advisor, you need to understand that you need to have good product selection and understanding of the products. But some of you go so deeply into the that level of specificity that it really blinds people. Whereas if you go into the level of specificity when it comes to the outcome, the feelings, the results, the 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 freedom that different sorts of products and services can give, that really changes everything. And I think, Kirk, and you might not agree with me, but I think that that's what your website should really be saying. That's how your website should be feeling instead of being so focused on things that, that can replace you like the commoditization of our industry. That make any sense? I mean, this is really what we talk about all the time. So I feel like we're, uh, we're getting into semantics that we might not need to with our, our listeners. And, and I wasn't real, I was thinking about buying a car, but I've never gone and bought a new car. I don't know, it might sound crazy. I've, I've never, ever bought a new car. And honestly, I don't plan on it. So any research I would, but I would think that if I was buying a new car, when I was younger, I'd go in there and I, I would have said, you know, tell me about this car. Right. But now I would likely go in there and want somebody to tell me which of the cars that you have is the perfect car for my life. Yeah. And why. And I'd be more deliberating over that likely than I would how many horsepower it has. Yeah. Uh, things like that. So and, yeah, so we're we're talking about the same thing. All right, number seven. Yeah. So number seven is uh, podcasts keep catching on. So podcasting keeps growing and growing. Um, Five hundred and fifty thousand podcasts were available or out on the marketplace at the end of twenty. Sorry, at the end of twenty eighteen. And stats that just came in suggest there are over seven hundred thousand now. That's huge growth. Actually, mm -hmm. eight hundred thousand huge growth this year that's that's a crazy amount of growth that's the most growth podcasting's had in its existence if i remember correctly because i believe it was typically between 10 and 20 percent growth mm -hmm. podcasts and now we've just hit a massive number uh this year having said that most podcasts don't last right and or fail um, the number uh, an article i was reading earlier today actually suggested that over a 12-month period, only 25% of podcasts uh, survive. I've read other stats that would suggest it's actually more like uh, less than 10%. Yeah, I, I thought I thought it would be much, much yeah. lower. Do you, why do you think that happens, though? Well, I, my guess is that more people start a podcast for the podcast to, to monetize itself. Ah. 
and they can't figure that out. Most people I talk to that say, oh, yeah, I've always wanted to start a podcast. Thinking, why? And Well, because I'd like to share my ideas. And I'm thinking, okay, well, so they want to be, it's just like, it's no different than wanting to be a rock star or a YouTuber. I mean, right? Mm -hmm. What you're really saying is I want people, I want to be heard. I want to share things and I want to feel good about telling people about things that I know or have learned or, or enjoy or don't like whatever it may be. I don't think that's really the best reason to start a podcast. Those are good reasons, I guess, but not the best, but advisors are in this incredible um, place, uh, have a credible opportunity in front of them to leverage it because they don't need to make, they don't need sponsors for their podcast to be successful. In fact, I, I would recommend probably you don't have a sponsor right. because it would likely be a product company uh, that would want to. So for advisors, the opportunity to monetize the podcast is incredible because all you need to do to you is, is to prospect right. and get new business and not, you know, obviously there's plenty of companies that can do that, but that's not always why people want to start a podcast. And my guess is that's why most fail. I do remember a stat and I, I don't quote me, but it was something like most 90% or more of podcasts never get past 10 episodes. Right. So, so the idea that 75% don't last a year might be that they only did five podcasts, right? Well, I think it's also because people run out of ideas, right? Because they're, they're trying to do it on their own. And, you know, that that does make it a lot more difficult when when you don't have somebody in your corner really in any aspect of the business that's not kind of stoking your fire and whatever that that really can uh, really right. limit you too. Right? That's one of the reasons that we bring on guests. Right, absolutely. Yeah, it might it would be well, I don't know, but it'd be more challenging. I, I think we could easily pull it off because there's a lot of information out there in the world of marketing. There's a lot of stuff we can do and talk about. Having said that. Um, it's nice to bring lots of diversity to an audience about because there are a lot more than, you know, one perspective on how to grow your business. And there's a lot of service providers and product providers that can talk about their their business. And I'm sure we've introduced people. Yeah. A number of uh, guests who our listeners are doing business with now. In yeah. fact, I don't I don't guess that. I know it. Yeah. Because we frequently get uh, emails back from people saying that being on our podcast was um, a very positive thing. And um, oftentimes they actually get opportunities out of it. Well, in, in, in making it so that it's not about you, right, which is one of the big yeah. things that I say a lot on the on the podcast, it makes it so much easier to bring those other people on. You know, we, we've brought in people who are, I mean, honestly, they're almost direct competition, but we know that they're going to talk to our audience in a way that might resonate with them better than the way that we've talked to them. And, and what matters is you all have good marketing. It doesn't have to be with us. In fact, a lot of times it's even better when it's not, uh, because then there's going to be something new, fundamental and unique that, that goes into the marketplace. Now, here's the next question. We talk a lot about the power of podcasting. I'm just trying to let you know that this thing keeps is on fire. In the in the last week, we've got two uh, really integral uh, companies and or media partners that have had leading or featured articles oh, yeah. on, on podcasting for financial service people. So, and honestly, I don't think we've heard a lot. So, the momentum is being created here. 
from the media perspective, which, you know, we've been a part of, obviously, with having this podcast and talking about podcasting all the time, but it's coming. So, you know, if you're listening to this, looking for ideas and podcasting doesn't feel like it's on your radar yet, but it's, you're still interested, just know that the momentum just keeps building yep. and building. And the opportunity for advisors is going to keep growing. Although the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. That's true. I'd say the best time to start a podcast was probably four to six years ago. Oof. But maybe not. It might be maybe right in the last two years. I'd say within the last two years in our industry. Absolutely. All right. So that was number seven. Yes, we all love podcasts. Now, what what is number six? So this is a really interesting one. And one that when I first talk about it, my guess is a lot of listeners are going to be think it might not apply to them, but don't, you know, don't hold your judgment until we finish talking about it. So content gets tailored to voice search and smart devices. <laughs> well, let's talk about, so a lot of search is happening right now through voice, act, voice activated search is happening, right? Uh, younger generations, especially, they do not want to type in, they want to talk to something uh, for their search. So why does this matter? Um, well, let me let me give you a stat first. As of January 2018, so two years ago, voice activated search hit one billion searches per month. I think a million of those were my kids because my kids will say, "Well, Dad, ask your phone." Yes, I mean that that's like that's a common thing now. Uh, you know, in, instead of typing anything in, you just say, "Hey, whatever." Uh, and, and you ask your phone, your computer, your Alexa, your whatever Cortana a question and the freaking yeah. computer answers it. What's funny, though, is my 14 year old and my 16 year old don't use it much. But my 10 year old and my six year old, they talk. They talk to their their iPod or their device all the time. Wow. Yeah. I mean, the older guys did it to act, ask funny things of Siri. Right. Yeah. You know, like maybe inappropriate things to get funny answers back. Mm -hmm. um, and it was funny the first couple of times. But the truth is, is that, you know, the younger generation and that's changing, right? Because people are learning more about it. Everybody's got voice activated systems. I mean, everybody has them on the smart devices, but when you add, you know, Echo, mm -hmm. uh, Alexis, Siri, all those wonderful uh, voices into your home, um, this becomes a way and think of it. That's a, a way that you're more likely to start a podcast, right? Or to, to find a podcast. Yeah. Ask a question. So here's, here's why it really matters because you want to consider uh, asking questions either in your show notes or in the title of your podcast, potentially that your audience would ask. So what you're trying to do and this is where, right before we got into this call, Matt and I were getting into uh, a, a good conversation about what kind, how do you find questions? Because I thought, you know, if you're the more gener generic the question might not actually be the question that you think your audience is going to ask. So you have to find questions. And Matt had a really good idea sort of, on how to achieve this. But you want to find questions that your audience are likely to ask. And how do you go about doing that? And I said that might not be. I shouldn't say that's not easy because you guys are all asking these, you're, you're in meetings with these people all the time. Totally. Idea. Yeah. 
they are in with all of these people. All they have to do is recall them, right? That's that's why, uh, you know, doing a podcast or, or writing a blog or shooting a video about what just happened in a meeting is freaking brilliant because, one, it's top of mind. Two, you know your answer because you just freaking answered it. And three, it gives you a great opportunity to follow up with the client. But here's where the discussion happened, too, which is it. I said – Instead of having to ask your your, your clients or, or anything along those lines, which, by the way, are all really, really good ways to deepen relationships with your clients, but it's also really easy to type into Google very specific questions. So Google what you're looking for. Six, um, I, and I just did this for a client, six of the, what are the biggest, no, what are the biggest concerns ultra high net worth have with their finances? And there's like 30, 40 articles popped up, right? So I scanned some of them, some of them sucked, some of them were good, and I landed on one and I wrote some questions. But the simple fact that I Googled that, Google remembers that. And two, since there aren't a lot of really good answers, that sparks us to talk to financial advisors like the people who are listening right now to write articles about that. We talked about employee stock options for Verizon employees. Dude, if you type in employee stock options for Verizon employees, there's probably not going to be anything that really pops up. You should be the person who writes that article, who does that podcast, who shoots that video to answer that damn question. In in the spirit of this podcast and point number. <laughs> We're at five now, dude. Point number five. I'm just counting backwards. That's harder. <laughs> uh, apparently. Um, we, we You should have asked Siri or Google what the question was. Yeah. You're typing it in. By the way, so. Because of this conversation, because you and I talked about this before, I actually bought uh, uh, an Alexa and I'm hooking it up in my office right now. And I'm that is what I'm going to do. So I am going to every time, you know, we're going through some of the things that we, we do make here. that part of our podcast now. If we don't know something, we'll just Google it or you'll just ask. I could. I've got it actually hooked into what? some kick ass speakers, too. So you'll be able to hear it really well. So Alexa is Amazon, correct? Uh, yeah, yeah. Maybe I bought a Google Puck. I don't remember which one it is. Google, from a branding perspective, they they got the right they got the right one. Hey Google. Yeah. Right. That's smart. I want to change the name though. I want to call it like. I don't know. Although maybe Amazon's smarter because it there sounds like a person. Siri is 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 a robot. Yeah. Alexa sounds like a person. Cortana. What is a Cortana anyway? I don't know. What is what is Echo? Maybe that's what I bought. I bought an Echo. That's what I bought. Yeah, Echo is Google, isn't it? I think it's Amazon. Aren't they all the same thing now? <laughs> Doesn't Google just rule the world and Amazon? I mean, isn't everything one of their products? Anyway, okay, look. We're, we're... like two middle <laughs> We're supposed to know a lot about. Uh, we do know a lot about stuff. We just don't know a lot about absolutely everything. Uh, hopefully, that just endeared most of our audience to us that we're not entirely know it alls on all the stuff. Yeah, okay, I so that was number five. Myself, I just called myself middle aged. You, you did, and and I did not fully agree with you. I just want you to know that right now. So next, number four, which is conversational marketing, right? So this is interesting because. We firmly believe that marketing is fundamentally changed. You have to market to your audience and the medium they prefer while they're there, but you also have to have a conversation. It's no longer talking at people. How yeah, is this evolving? It's, it's, a, it's a huge transition from advertising now to more you know, relationship building. Mm -hmm. It's massive, right? Lead gen, you know, we talk about lead generation is dead. 
it's all about building it's relationship building is what we're in now you know the the now inappropriate uh, marketing concept that used to be called build your own tribe um you know build your own audience that that's what you're trying to do here and you're doing that through having conversations you're not trying to sell to them because selling to them doesn't really connect with them Mm -hmm. so how do you connect with to your audience and so you have to have conversations we've all experienced on linkedin or other social media platforms somebody abusing the best practice which is start up conversations add value stop stop please stop sending messages that say you know will you do business with me or you know have you created a plan for 2020 um i'm a coach who does business plans i'm not i never got one of those from joe by the way our our friend coach joe who does business planning but as an you know i get these every week for sure and some are sponsored through linkedin and some are just we've connected with me and the funny thing is, is a lot of the time I'm not even the person they think I am. I, dude, I was just going to say that. That just happened to me today. And I got snarky and wrote this person back and said, this is the problem with an automated LinkedIn system. You have no idea who you're talking to. And now you look now you look foolish. Yeah, I actually wrote I, that. I, I don't, I, I've not gotten snarky. I try to be helpful and say, you know, you might. Oh, I got snarky. But yeah. Dude, I get like a hundred of those a week. It drives me insane. I know, but we invite people to connect through LinkedIn too. Yeah, but we don't shill them right away, right? We want to begin the conversation. No, we we really don't. Yeah, all we do is try to get people to listen to our podcast. That's it. Try to sell them. I don't, dude, I don't want to, we live by this. I don't want to sell Yeah, who wants, nobody's going to do business with a company that has a larger ticket item and be like a car company's. Trying to sell something yeah. through yeah. social. I mean, you're trying to get them excited about what your your car does, what it might mean to their life, how cool it would be driving it, and then you know, just building a relationship with them and building your brand. It's the same thing with what we're doing, right? Yeah, we don't we don't say, hey, what do I need to do to get you into this podcast today, right? I mean, that's not that's not what we do. Uh, you know, what's really holding you back? What what are what are the real concerns you have? with podcasting. No, we don't do that. We ask great questions like, tell me about your practice. Dude, it just it, funny because this has to do with re- relationships. Part of the, one of the ways to build, I believe one of the greatest relationship things is not being the solution, right? This just happened very recently. I was actually at a conference and, and this person was like, Hey, blah, 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 blah. I want to do this. And you know, I think, I think you guys have my solution. And I looked at him and said, no, we don't. He's like, what are you talking about? Like, no, you need seminars, too. What, what your target audience and where you want to go, you want to you want to do seminars. That's your first line of, of marketing defense or offense, for that matter. And he just laughed and he's like, well, do you sell seminars? Like, I don't sell seminars. I can refer you to some people who do. But, you know, that's not really the point. The point is, and part of a relationship, part of being this, this credible authority is not necessarily making your solution the solution for everybody because it's just not. Let me guess at why you thought seminars were better. I'm yeah. going to guess that they didn't have a very good, they're younger and didn't have much of a network and they need to build up um, some short-term opportunities at the expense of long-term opportunities. So so that was 80% of it. And then the other 20 was they only wanted to work with people 65 and above. 
which we know is not the largest uh, consumers of podcasts. Well, eventually they're all going to be listening to podcasts. Of course. It's, it's, it's going to trend that way. People just aren't, don't stop listening to them at 65. Right. It's just that the generation is less familiar with them because they haven't grown up. With it. Right. But, but the other thing but, that you said was really true. Sorry to interrupt, but, but it was very true. It was very small network have to to basically solve a problem that's going to be a quick fix uh, in anybody who fogs a mirror, right? Which that, that we believe in momentum marketing. Everything we're talking about today has to do with building momentum, right? And, and what happens is, is when you finally have built that momentum and you gain that momentum, you notice the momentum and then you don't have to do those quick pops. Or if you do do the quick pops just because you like to do it and you're good at it, that's one thing. But momentum marketing is fundamentally different. Relationships are built on momentum. They're not built on transactions. Number four. I'm just going to go ahead and go ahead. Is that all right? Yeah, keep going. Oh, crap. No, we just did number four. we're at number three uh which is which tell us what number three is you're funny user and search intent drives content creation so what i mean by this is um what people are looking for and what they need and what they want specifically to uh, you know to their to fit their needs is what's driving content creation so people more and more are looking marketing is being driven by what people want to know and need to know versus what companies want to sell this is just the same story we've been telling here which is um, the audience needs expertise and you have that expertise Mm -hmm. and there's a gap right i call this the knowledge gap Mm-hmm. I've got a wonderful, uh, I've got an article coming out, actually would have already come out by the time this comes out. And the article is called Competing in the Expertise Economy. And one of the first graphs, little dra- graphs that I have is called the expert graph, sorry, the expert gap. You can call it the knowledge gap too. And that's that you have all this expertise and there's an audience that really wants this expertise and you got to figure out how to get it. How mm-hmm. that used to happen was people would come into your office and sit there, and over time they would slowly learn. Although I would say, in the past, and still happening a lot right now, is that most a lot of people in the financial industry aren't really about educating their clients. They're about advising them, and then and then helping them make a somewhat informed decision, and then just doing it for them. Mm-hmm. Or in some cases, selling somebody something. But that's changing because then this is a perfect example, right? The map that, you know, the what we're talking about today, that what people are searching for and what people want to know about is what's driving creation. So mm-hmm. you've got to figure that out. What we talked about a little bit earlier about content getting tailored, about conversational marketing, all these things are about getting people uh, you know, about, to- about topic-focused content is building, you know, to build authority. These are all the same trend, which is you've got to get your expertise out to the people who need it and want it most. You know, you you uh, you created something a while ago that I, I still refer to often, which is the, the, the MIC, right, my ideal client. And uh, we were we were presenting somewhere, and, and you had presented this my ideal client thing. And I just sat back and I just smiled because – 
I never really thought of it that way, that when, when I am writing, when I am speaking, when I'm doing whatever, when I'm writing content or copy or a blog, that I should be able to close my eyes and see exactly who I'm writing to, right? All of you should have that. You should have in your mind, not just physically what the person looks like, but psychographically, what do they like to do? You should know that immediately. If, if, if we ask you the question, what, you know, explain, describe your ideal client, it can't be people ages 65 and above have over $250,000 of investable assets. No, that, that's not your ideal client. That is a demographic. I want psychographics. What do they, what do they like to do? Uh, what color hair do they have? Do they wear glasses? Are they really well-dressed? Do they wear flip-flops and, you know, a t-shirt? That's the sort of stuff that you guys need to get really, really deep in there. And Kirk taught me this. And it's something that I use now every single solitary time, uh, when I'm, when I'm writing an article or, or when, when I'm, you know, creating content for the company, I'm always thinking of what our ideal client is or who is the ideal person to listen to what I'm writing. And, and everybody needs to do the same thing. That was you, if dude. Somebody ever tells me part of their demographic for their ideal client persona or profile. If they ever said I only want to work with people with blonde hair, I'm I'm going to hook them up with you. That's fine. Yeah, because I I don't know how to get them there. Oh, I do. I got you. How yeah, send them my direction. You got them, what? I, I got them. I'll, I'll be able to flesh out a lot more than that. It's all the questions. You ask, dude, I learned these freaking questions from you. What are you talking about with the blonde hair? You're the one who taught me the Who's whole thing. <laughs> I know, but I was trying to be descriptive, dude. Come on. I know you are. I'm just making sure that you know how nutty you, you are sometimes. <laughs> hey, you I, I live Nutty in... <laughs> is, is, that's the perfect word for you. It is. I'm truly nuts. All right. So that was number three. No. Yes. Three. Number two. Number two. Oh, man, you're, you're doing a great job. I know. You've I'm hoping a I'm, lot of difficulty counting from one to eight today. I never five. go backwards, dude. I, you have really gotten me off my game as a podcaster. But I like this one because number two is that, about video and yeah, live streaming. The next one's really cool. And we both experienced it re uh, recently. We did with Jay. We did. So, video and live stream take center stage. So, I don't know if you've experienced live streaming coming at you from a marketing perspective. Um, it depends on whether you have time, but it's, it's a thing and it's a lot of fun. It's a much different. Mm. It's kind of comparable to being on a webinar, a live webinar, except what I find to be the, the most difficult thing about being on webinars, typically you talking to a whole bunch of people. Yeah. The expectation is that at least, and that's how it feels. But a podcast, a live podcast is what we were on, each of us with our friend Jay Coulter. And it was a lot of fun because you're having a conversation. That conversation was streaming live. There was no room for any uh, to, you know, edit out any expletives. Nope. Which we don't usually say. So we're, we were fine. But um, it was really fun. But I can say that interrupting people in their day i'm not a huge fan of that but i think the hype of it mm -hmm. of oh look i can experience this right now well i got some time right now i think that's pretty neat and when you do it, it uh, through linkedin as an example and if you're doing it through facebook i suspect the same thing but i don't know the answer but i know in linkedin when it's live you get a notification that's right 
And so that's, that's kind of a neat thing, right? You're out, you know, it's like posting somebody an article, but the live event has got, is a lot more interesting because you know, it's going to be gone Yeah. if you don't go, which is not actually true because yeah, they save it. It just, yeah, it goes, you can go watch it. Um, you can, in fact, you can go watch the one. I, I would strongly recommend the one I did with Jay over the one Matt did. <laughs> uh, they were both a lot of fun. And Jay's a great interviewer. Sometimes, much like Matt, he'll stop you in the middle of your thing and ask you a question that takes you a little off. No, it's not. It's not off topic. Certainly, it's always on topic. But to go on a little tangent with that, I guess it's not tangential. If it's just anyway, it gets you in more depth about something mm-hmm. and. Um, this will not surprise you, but him and I were doing a podcast on my 14 rules of marketing success. Mm -hmm. And he said, we've got 20 minutes. And I laughed and I said, no problem. We can get her done. (laughs) I was thinking, there's no way I got 14. It's like basically a minute each, right? There's no way I can. That's funny. Anyway, we only got halfway through and it was 36 minutes or something. So it was going to be an hour and 15 (laughs) So an hour and 15, and I thought for that brief moment, I could get it done in 20. I don't know what that means about me, but. You're wildly optimistic in your time. You know, these podcasts are supposed to be 26 minutes, and you and I haven't done a 26-minute podcast ever. Ever. Yeah. With the 12 days of marketing, so the last 12 days of marketing that we did, our team said they need to be 12 minutes apiece. No, we did one that was 20, didn't we? <laughs> yeah, that was the shortest one we did. Hey, it was good stuff, though. It was good stuff. Okay, I, I just want to touch well, real quick. So apply for apply for LinkedIn live stream. Yes. Um, you can run these on Facebook. Yep. I don't know what other YouTube can you do on YouTube? Uh, you can. So so I was just actually going to touch on that. So, so you can do Facebook Live, LinkedIn Live. Uh, you can live tweet, which compliance would freak out about a little bit, I think. Uh, and then do Facebook Live. But here's the thing. It is magnificent for you to see what people interact with when it comes to your your live streaming. Because once you build up that tribe, that audience, right, that the, the, the people who are truly going to be listening to you and tuning in, you're going to see increased engagement over that timeline. And then you can go back and review that timeline to see truly what people are very interested in, which is super duper fun. But it is not overnight. Unless you are a celebrity now, you're going to have a little issue with finding out exactly what people are um, reacting to until you have a little bit larger of an audience. Now, the last one here to wrap up our our eight. I'm going to go from the top here. Uh, Topic-focused stuff, right? We want to make sure that you're not doing one-offs. If you're going to ring a bell, if you're going to start blogging, start podcasting, doing video, you need to commit to it for 18 to 24 months. Number two. Podcasting is blowing up. We have an enormous amount of people who are consuming podcasts. Um, we know that people who listen to podcasts are generally uh, delegators. They're higher income and they're higher educated, which generally means that they're going to have more assets for you. Next, make sure that you're getting the personalized content that it's truly yours, which is kind of uh, some of these other ones. Okay. Um, voice search. 
right? No matter if you Google it to find out, or if you're the person creating the content, or you're asking your client specifically, which by the way, is a great conversation to have, make sure that you are answering questions and including those questions in your SEO. Next, conversational marketing, make sure that you're always having a conversation that you're not selling. We may, we also want to make sure that uh, you truly understand who your ideal client is, that my ideal client profile, when you close your eyes, you should know exactly what the person looks like. Next, apply for LinkedIn Live, or and then you have to apply for LinkedIn Live, but you can also do Facebook Live on your company page, which I highly recommend that you do if compliance lets you. And number one, Kirk Lowe, is what? Results-focused content. Okay, what does that mean? Like that really, when, really? You're, when you're pitching, when you're providing your expertise in content, when you're writing it, videoing it, speaking it, it needs to be about results and actionable things for your audience. I've given this example a couple times in our whatever 70 episodes, 60, 70 episodes that we've done together. It's probably more like 100 now, if I include the small ones. Um, that I had written an article one time about 10 biggest mistakes I see advisors make in their marketing. Oh, yeah. And somebody called me out on LinkedIn, uh, which was which was really cool, and said, you're, you sound like everybody, every other consultant or mm -hmm. marketing consultant in this industry is that you're always telling us all the things we're doing wrong, but you never give us, you know, solutions to, to do a better job outside of buy my product. Right. So I, I had written 10. So I, what I did was I committed to five follow-up articles to this person on LinkedIn and said, I will give you all kinds of solutions. I'll tackle two at a time. And it was a lot of fun. Hmm. I ended up doing a, a video of that guy's marketing as a demo, which ended up being what not to do. Uh, but he was gracious enough to sign up for it. Hmm. And then I professionally uh, broke down things that he needed to work on, which ended up being free consulting. For totally. Him. So I think he, you know, he got something out of it and I was professional about it, um, which I try to be. And that worked out, but it was really interesting to be challenged online for not providing, you know, actionable thoughts and ideas. And so you need to consider that. Now I recognize there's the compliance side of this, but you should be able to give people real advice on how to solve things and not just say you got problems, you got problems, you got problems. Mm -hmm. It's not about fear. Content marketing is not about creating fear. It's about educating people on what to be what to be uh, careful or concerned about or where they need more information what that information is or how to get it and what to do about it and then what to do with it and i know you can't give specific advice on certain things but you can give general advice and you can give people i mean that's what this industry is supposed to be about anyway yeah well so you know really what this comes down to is be valuable yeah. which is really interesting because that's one of the 14 rules that I talked about the other day, which mm -hmm. is a podcast that's coming out just prior to this one. Well, and not only that, but but when you're answering these questions and you're not creating fear, you're also building confidence that you're the person who can answer the questions. And so when the person truly needs you, they're going to look to you because you're the person who's been freely giving answers, you know, from the get-go. You know, Kirk, when you and I first started working together, you basically told me I needed to give everything away that I ever did for free, Right. And the more that we have continued to give away, uh, 
and you've challenged that me, me on that recently uh, about something that you want to give away that I didn't want to give away. And, and I don't think we've actually solved the problem yet, but um, it, it's one of those pieces where the more you give away, the more you build relationship, the more that you're free, the more that you say, you know, hey, look, here are all these solutions. People just have trust and confidence in you. And that's why people do business with you. They don't do business because they're terrified. They do business because they're like, okay, yep. That lady is the person who can answer my questions and has been consistently answering my questions since the dawn of time. Right. And that's what this kind of marketing, you know, relationship marketing is all about. It's about getting people to a place where they're comfortable that you know the questions to to ask, Mm -hmm. that you care enough to ask the questions, the hard questions in a lot of cases that don't always get asked. Um. Although I would say that a lot of people market that they ask hard questions. I think there's a lot of advisors going to be nodding their heads when I I finish this sentence. There's a lot of advisors that I feel like act like they're going to ask the hard questions, but don't always have the infrastructure and the processes and the reporting, planning, like the documentation of it to actually fulfill what they say they do in their marketing. Mm -hmm. And... That's uh, that's unfortunate, but I think part, a biggest part of the problem is how many things an advisor has to manage to not just own a job but to own a business, and yeah. that becomes uh, a difficult thing to juggle, right? But I think as more and more advisors look to outsource their marketing, um, I, I'm not selling here, of course. Ding, ding, ding. Um, that you know, when you're looking to outsource marketing you free up more time to be better and, uh, and create more deliverables in your business, add more value to your relationships. And by the way, that's one of the best ways to get more referrals too, right? Right. Combine that being more valuable with having better marketing. That's a slam dunk formula right there. Well, and it's not just marketing, right? It's your financial planning process. It's your trading. It's your, you know, there are a bunch of broker dealers out there now who have outsourced operations. Uh, you know, you can outsource an enormous amount of stuff, Uh, which will allow you to truly be that expert that I think a lot of you've always wanted to be. There are people who want to be generalists and that's fine. And you have your place, but, but where the trend and everything that we're talking about and seeing in our research that's going forward is that you truly need to be that expert. And the best way to be that expert is to get rid of everything that doesn't have to use your expertise. And it gives you the opportunity to free up all that time that Kirk was talking about. All right, Kirk, do you have anything Uh, else before we wrap up? I, I do. I just heard this crazy I got a, this email today and I stopped, I can't stop thinking about it. It was about an hour before our call today. And I forwarded the email, by the way. Oh, okay. But essentially, I won't name the company because I don't think that's fair because I don't know enough information about it. But um, there's um, an advisor who wants to work with us, ready to work with us. And he said he's got a bit of a problem in saying yes to us because of an an alter, uh, an additional cost that he's going to have with his broker dealer. And when he told me about this cost, this is the first time I've heard of this. It does not surprise me at all, but his company wants to charge him $120 every time he submits a podcast <laughs> to review it, to do a compliance review for it. Wow. So if he and he was planning on doing four episodes a month, so oh. that's four hundred eighty dollars he has to pay just to get this approved. And I don't, I shouldn't have said get it approved to look at it. Right now, obviously, he's worried about whether or not 
you know, his broker dealer is going to approve it because they're extremely strict. So what's happening here is it sounds to me like this company is saying, well, I'm not going to tell you in advance that I'm going to approve your stuff. What I'm going to tell you is there's a cost and I'll review it. Wow. It's very, very interesting. Not surprised at all. I wonder how many other companies this is going to show up. And this is one of the larger, I'll call it more captive um, uh-huh. ones. And they're typically the, the most stringent with compliance because they've got such a, they're, they're big and, you know, they have many people to watch over. So they're more strict because if one does something bad, it's, it hurts everybody. Right. Yeah. So they're a lot more careful about it, but man, that's a heck of a development for advisors having to pay. I don't know that I blame the broker dealer for having to push that cost along, but it, to a degree felt feels counterproductive, doesn't it? Or counterintuitive. Like we want you to grow your business so that we can grow, but I'm going to put another. Yeah. Barrier in place. Barrier in place. Thank yeah. you. So I don't know. It's very, very interesting. I, huh. I think down the road, if we see this happening more, we can maybe invite somebody on to talk about the reality of advisor or broker dealers having to push this kind of cost along. Cause you would have thought that this was a big part of what they're doing. Well, it's interesting. I, it, it, it's probably better than the alternative, which, which, which is now seen at a couple of them yeah. where they just don't, they just don't answer their, right. their calls to do podcasts, which, which is funny because there's, we have another gentleman who wants to work with us and he's concerned that they're not going to allow it. And I went on to LinkedIn found the, the right person up the, up the chain mm-hmm. and invited them to have a call with me to, to clarify what podcasting really is and how it's not a, it's not any different than, than a blog article or, or even a brochure or something. It's just content that's documented, yeah. transcribed, and nothing goes out until it's approved. Like it's, it's pretty easy stuff. It's not any different than other marketing uh, that's been happening for, you know, for many, many years. Mm-hmm. And I quickly got the guy's attention and we got an appointment. So um, I think it's real. that's a really interesting learning point. We're way off topic here. And this is a way longer summer than you ever expected. But <laughs> if you're having, if you're challenged to get something approved, go to the marketing experts and see if they can have strike up a conversation, particularly professional ones. Um, you might not look good if you have somebody who's just trying to right. talk to make a sale. But if you're, if somebody's trying to um, solve a problem that, you know, or a gap that exists between an advisor, how they think and work and how a compliance department works. And you can actually make it way easier than they ever would have anticipated. Those are typically wonderful conversations. And, um, you know, you'll look good in the eyes of your compliance department because you've found a partner who's professional and makes their job easier. Anyway, that was the longest summary I've ever done. I think it was <laughs> three or four minutes. Thanks for hanging on. If you're still around. Yeah. I'm up here. All right. Well, that's all I've got, too. So, uh, you know, make sure you stay tuned, everybody, because so we've got a lot of really fun stuff on the docket. We've got a lot of really great guests that we're, we're looking at uh, having on the show here in 2020. As always, if you have any topic ideas or guest ideas, just email me at Matt at TopAdvisorM, that M is for marketing.com. And, uh, you know, if you have any feedback, too, we'd love to hear it. Uh, if you love our incessant, bizarre rambling and you just want to tell us about that, that's fantastic. If you... Uh, if you say, yes, you guys need to start doing a three-hour-long podcast to really cover everything you need, uh, we will at least consider that, too. But with that, please make sure you've subscribed and 
You follow Kirk and I on LinkedIn because there's all sorts of good stuff that we do between the podcasts. So for everybody at Top Advisor Marketing, this is Matt Haller, and we'll see you on the other side of the mic very soon. Are you ready to change the way you communicate with your clients? Are you tired of being the best kept secret in your area? Learn how to become a prolific online influencer, attract more ideal clients, and grow your business. Contact us today and see what the power of podcasting can do for your business. Click on the Contact Us link on our website at topadvisormarketing.com and set up a call to learn more. Follow us on LinkedIn and Facebook for more updates and information. This was brought to you by iris.xyz, a platform helping financial professionals become better in business and life through new media and new voices. Visit them and learn more at iris.xyz.